Good evening. Good evening. Well, hopefully the rest of our evening will go smoother. Uh, good to see you tonight. Are you glad to be here tonight? Amen. 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 Let's go ahead and open in prayer. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be here tonight. Father, thank you uh, for each one who's been able to come out. Lord, I pray you bless each one. Lord, we thank you tonight, uh, as we always do, for your words, for our Bible. Lord, for the privilege to open a Bible, to uh, study it together. Lord, for the Holy Spirit who aids our understanding. Lord, thank you so much for your words, for their power in our lives. Lord, thank you that they're alive. Lord, Father, we can't quite understand that, but we know that your words are like no other words. Lord, I thank you tonight for the word, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, tonight that uh, you'd help us to see things that you would have us to see. Lord, that you help us to apply them to our lives for your honor, for your glory, certainly for our benefit, but for your honor and for your glory. Lord, I pray you work here now, and I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Kings chapter 3 tonight. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 3. Brother Mike, it's good to see you. You are holding down this side of the church tonight, brother. You're the anchor of this whole side of the church. Uh, thank you for serving in that role tonight. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 3. Uh, so we're continuing to look tonight at the, uh, the early reign of Solomon. Uh, David has passed off uh, his reign. Uh, he's passed off the throne to Solomon. Rich, that's clearly been the Lord's plan. And uh, we've seen Solomon come onto the throne. Some of the early things now uh, of his reign, uh, this, uh, these few chapters really uh, dealing with his rise uh, Mike, we'll see him tonight begin to make a couple of mistakes, I think, that uh, point to some problems down the road. I know you don't have to hold down the whole side now. Praise God. Praise God. First uh, Kings chapter 3 tonight. Um, we'll see Solomon. Uh, he's worshiping and, and certainly doing some things that are right in God's eyes, uh, but making some mistakes, some, some compromises uh, tonight also. Brother Ray, if something is a little bit wrong, is it wrong? Yeah. If, so, if something is a little bit sinful, is it sinful? If something is not God's will, is it not God's will? Yeah. I mean, sin is sin. Obedience is obedience. I think I said um, recently, there's really, it's really no gray area, right? Uh, something is a, a choice is either consistent with God's word, or it's not. Brother Mike, we have discernment from the Holy Spirit to uh, help us to make that uh, determination. Uh, sometimes we, we need that help, but um, we praise God tonight we have his words and, and the Holy Spirit to help us. Uh, we'll see here tonight uh, Solomon getting some things right, but making some compromises um, also. I want to ask you, you're in 1 Kings 3, but would you kind of keep your place here, but also go back, if you would, to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Uh, would you flip back there also? I should, have, I should have asked you to do that already. So uh, we're in 1 Kings 3 tonight, sister, and uh, we're going to just take a quick peek back in Deuteronomy for a moment also. Uh, Deuteronomy is easy to find. I like that one, Rich, right? Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh, so Deuteronomy 7, uh, I want you to take a look at verse 3, then we'll see a couple verses in chapter 12 also. So uh, background to this chapter, it's the Lord's instruction to the people 
uh, prior to their entrance into uh, the promised land. And basically the theme there, um, Brother Rich, is God, God was commanding them to remain separate, not, not to get entangled with the people in the land, uh, the, the pagan, idolatrous people of the land. Uh, Deuteronomy 7 and verse 3 uh, says this, Neither shalt thou make marriages uh, with them. God, God wanted them to, to remain separate. He wanted them to, uh, to not get entangled that way. He did not want them to be unequally yoked. Of course, this is still God's desire uh, for his people today. When, when, when his people went into the promised land, they were to take care not to marry um, those that, that did not uh, know the Lord. Neither shalt thou make uh, marriages with them. The Lord, of course, goes on and he, he gives his reasons. Flip over to Deuteronomy 12, if you would. So just flip ahead of uh, several chapters to Deuteronomy 12 uh, and verse 1. Lord wanted the people to be careful about not marrying, uh, in uh, taking a wife from uh, the pagan Canaanitish people, uh, primarily so that they would not get uh, pulled into the false worship uh, of those people. That becomes clear here, Deuteronomy 12, verse 1. Uh, the Bible says, These are the statutes and judgments which ye shall observe to do in the land, uh, once you get there, which the Lord God of thy fathers gave thee to possess it uh, all the days that ye, all of you, live upon the earth. And uh, Here in verse 2, the command from the Lord is, Ye, ye shall utterly destroy... Uh, all the places, these high places of false worship is the idea, uh, all the places wherein the nations, uh, the Gentiles, which ye shall possess, served their gods upon the high mountains and upon the hills uh, and under every green tree. So uh, you remember we've seen recently this idea that the, there was a tradition of, of false worship in high places, hilltops, mountaintops, and in groves also. Uh, hence the reference to every green tree. Uh, look at verse 3 there. Lord commanded, ye shall overthrow their altars and break their pillars and burn their groves. There's that word with fire. Ye shall hew down the graven images, uh, the idolatrous images of their gods and destroy the names of them out of that place. So it's just a reminder here that uh, the people, as they entered the land and as they remained in the land, uh, the Lord's interest, his desire, his command, Brother Gary, was that they remain separate. They not marry into uh, th those that were practicing false faith, that they not uh, get pulled into that false faith. And in fact, they were to destroy uh, everything and every place associated with that uh, false worship. So you remember those things. So keep that in mind. Now flip ahead, uh, flip back to... I guess forward to uh, 1 Kings chapter 3. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 3. Uh, here's uh, a marriage of Solomon being recorded uh, pretty shortly after he um, assumes the throne from his dad. Mike, he's about 21 years old at this point. That would, that would be a pretty good guess just based on different observations that we can make. And of course, he'd be interested in a wife uh, but it, it should be a godly wife, one, one who knows the Lord. Uh, however, what we see here, I believe, is a compromise. First Kings chapter 3, verse 1 uh, says this, Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He cozied up to uh, king of Egypt. I'm not sure we could say for sure who exactly this Pharaoh is, but whomever was Pharaoh at that time and uh, took Pharaoh's daughter, 
and brought her into the city of David until he had made uh, an end of building his own house and the house of the Lord, the wall of Jerusalem, uh, round about. So this is, this is the language of, of marriage. He took, um, he, he took her hand uh, in marriage would be the idea here. Um, at this time living in the city of David, uh, that part of Jerusalem or that kind of eastern side of Jerusalem uh, between the Kidron Valley and the Mount of Olives, um, there, there on the east side of Jerusalem, uh, he, took a, he took a wife uh, from Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Uh, did the Egyptians, uh, did they worship the Lord? They did not, uh, not most of them at least. Certainly the majority of them would not uh, throughout their uh, entire history, and we're going to look more at the history and some of the prophecy against Egypt uh, and some of the hope for Egypt also on Sunday morning during the Sunday school hour uh, in Isaiah 19, the, the woe pronounced upon Egypt. So we'll look a little bit more in, in detail uh, at Egypt um, Sunday morning, but uh, they were a pagan, idolatrous people. Miriam the Lord pronounced judgment against them because of that. Uh, through thousands of years of, of their history, literally, that uh, they were an idolatrous pagan um, people. Uh, Mo, not Moses, Solomon, there we go. Solomon had no business taking a wife uh, from out of the house of Pharaoh. Now, some have suggested that, well, maybe, maybe she was someone who knew the Lord. Uh, that was possible, and, and Mike, if that's the case, we shouldn't be picking on Solomon, I suppose. If, if this particular wife was someone who had come to the Lord, that, that would be probably okay. Uh, he'd, he'd be on stronger biblical grounds at least, but there's no indication of that. All we know is that the Bible records he took a wife from Egypt. The implication would be that this is a compromise. Uh, this is a compromise. Why would he do that? Uh, what, what would be the, the practical reason? Why would he have been interested rich almost certainly right because the, the the text says he made affinity with pharaoh king of egypt right so i, I think that's exactly right and that what you said is consistent with the the text uh to improve diplomatic relations uh with egypt he didn't want any trouble uh with egypt uh they egypt is a uh was still pretty strong at, at this point certainly uh, they, they, they were a threat. Um, they had attacked at different place, different points in history. Uh, they, they had attacked the land. And, and so, you know, there's a certain degree of wisdom says, hey, let's, um, let's um, have reasonably good, the best diplomatic relations we can might, might be the idea here. Did he have to take a wife from Egypt to do that, to accomplish that? Well, it might have seemed wise to him, but it was contrary uh, to scripture. Um, brother, if Brother Art, I don't know why I couldn't get that tonight, Brother Art. <laughs> brother Art, uh, if something seems wise to us, but is inconsistent with the word of God, is it wise or is it unwise? It's unwise, and right. That's that's one of the ways we can we can discern what's wise and what's not, right? Sometimes sometimes something just seems wise, and this probably seemed wise to Moses. By the way, this is before God blessed him with great wisdom, so uh, he's probably struggling with wisdom. This seemed wise to him, no doubt, but he could have he, he could have stopped and said, well. Uh, boy, we, we, we have Deuteronomy and all the things that God said 
uh, to the people before they came into the land here. Uh, you could have said, no, this, this is not God's will, not God's desire, not God's plan, uh, and chosen another way, Rich, to strengthen diplomatic relations. That, that would have been a, a better choice. So uh, there was a practical rationale here, um, a practical interest, uh, but this is a compromise of biblical principles. Lord, help us to always prioritize what is biblical over what seems wise to us and to discern one from the other. This is a compromise, uh, a compromise. Uh, so that's Solomon's wife. I'll give you W's tonight. That's his wife. Uh, now let's, let's make some observations regarding his worship, uh, his worship. Uh, first, we see the worship of the people here in verse 2. The Bible says only the people... Um, only the people sacrificed uh, in high places. Zach, is that a good thing? Where'd Zach go? Uh, I lost Zach. Is it, Gary, is that a good thing or a bad thing that Solomon be the people would be sacrificing in high places? Yeah. Sounds like a bad thing. Uh, we, we just saw that back in Deuteronomy. Rich, you have a thought? So does that mean that they shouldn't have been sacrificing at all? Even though there wasn't a temple. Right, so we're going we're gonna to compare this with a parallel passage here. Um, we know that the tabernacle, not every bit of it, but the tabernacle uh, is, is there at Gibeon, and there's, there's a high place there also. Um, should they have been sacrificing not at all as opposed to sacrificing uh, in the wrong place? Well, uh, Brother Ray, do you have thoughts on that? If you have a choice to make, God says, hey, don't, 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 sac don't worship at this false place, and that might prevent you from performing the sacrifices at all, which is worse. We're going to come back to that. you have a thought? Sacrifice somewhere else. Um, the, the fact is that the, the tabernacle is at Gibeon. Um, not every single component, biblically, seems to be there at this time, but... Uh, it is there. We're going to come back to that, Rich, in a moment. Uh, in a moment. So you see here the people sacrifice in high places because there was no house built on the name of the Lord um, until or in those days. So this is before the temple is built. Uh, they still have the tabernacle, basically, uh, but, but the temple uh, is not built. Now, um, there's a concern here. The people have a desire to worship uh, by making the sacrifices. Uh, but Gary, you, you'd have to conclude that uh, worship in the wrong places is what? Yeah. Wrong worship, right? And God specifically said, hey, you, you need to destroy these places. Um, I, I think we could pretty easily conclude that um, if, in fact, there's worship and sacrifice happening in, in places that were dedicated to false worship, that's, that's sin. It's inconsistent with what the Lord desires. And I, I think you could, you could look at this and say, well, uh, there's some indication that, that Solomon participated in this, at, at least for a time. That would be sin if that's the case. But what about, um, what about if he, in the case where he's not actually participating, but he's aware of it? He's aware of it. What would you say about that? He's the king, right? He, he could deal with it, absolutely. So um, is this a compromise? This, this looks like a compromise uh, to me. 
Um, it was probably inconvenient for many of the people to go to Gibeon to worship at the temple, forget the tabernacle, forgive me. Uh, and, and so I, I think the implication here is that some were worshiping in, in the wrong place uh, for expediency, for convenience. Uh, and that's going to be a compromise. So there's a couple of compromises here. You, you can see that um, there's, there's a compromise kind of snowballing here, uh, which seemed to, be, seemed to be the idea. Um, look here, please, in, in verse 3. The Bible says Solomon loved the Lord. Um, Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of David, his father. Uh, so there was a good deal of obedience in, in his life. That's recorded. Uh, and then the next phrase, uh, only he sacrificed and burnt incense uh, in high places. And so again, that sounds like a problem. Um, he loved the Lord. Uh, to love him is to obey him. There's that biblical principle. Um, he's largely walking in the statutes of David's father, so there's a lot of obedience in his life. But then you have this difficult phrase, only he sacrificed uh, and burnt incense uh, in high places. And so that looks like a problem. This, this, this seems to capture, uh, this seems to capture some, some compromise. Look at verse 4. Uh, and the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Uh, a thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon the altar. So this on its face looks like there's a lot of faulty worship happening here. Um, I wanna ask you to turn to Second Chronicles chapter one. That's a parallel passage. Uh, and it does shed some important light on the situation here, Rich. So uh, if you would, please, uh, don't lose your place here, but let's flip ahead to Second Chronicles uh, chapter 1. So uh, Second Chronicles will have a lot of parallel material, uh, and we'll see a good deal about Solomon's reign uh, in Second Chronicles. Uh, so just kind of make a note of that. Let's try to get that idea uh, into our brains if we can. Well, as we continue forward, we'll see a lot of parallel material uh, in Second Chronicles. Remember, First and Second Chronicles parallel, uh, parallel the First um, Second Kings. First, uh, sorry, Second Chronicles chapter one, uh, verse one. And Solomon, son of David, was strengthened in his kingdom, uh, and the Lord his God was with him and magnified him exceedingly. That all sounds good. Uh, verse 2, then Solomon spake unto all Israel, to the captains of thousands and of hundreds, to the judges, to every governor in all Israel, the chief of the fathers. Uh, so Solomon and all the congregation with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon. Uh, for, and see, see this next phrase here, for there, was, for there was the tabernacle of the congregation. Let me try that again. For there, for there at that place uh, was the tabernacle of the congregation of God which Moses, the servant of the Lord, had made in the wilderness. Verse 4, But the ark of God had David brought up from Kirjath-Jerim to the place uh, which David had prepared for it, uh, for he had pitched a tent for it at Jerusalem. So you have kind of competing uh, places uh, to, to some extent. Verse 5, Moreover, the brazen altar uh, that Beziel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, had made, 
uh, he put before the tabernacle of the Lord, uh, and Solomon uh, and the congregation sought unto it. Uh, and Solomon went up, verse 6, thither to the brazen altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of the congregation, uh, and offered a thousand burnt offerings upon it. Well, that doesn't sound as bad, does it? That doesn't sound as bad. Doesn't, it, doesn't this sound like that at Gibeon, the tabernacle is there, uh, and they worshiped at the tabernacle at Gibeon? Does that sound right? Does that sound right, Rich? I think, I think that sounds right. Um, how do you then reconcile what we see back in 1 Kings chapter 3 uh, with what you see in 2 Chronicles chapter 1? Does that need to be reconciled? Does it need to be reconciled, or is one just sort of uh, informing or adding detail to the other? What, what do you think? What do you think, guys? What do you think? Let's say it again. Yeah, well, there's, I think there's a couple possibilities. Um, it, it, it could be that Set Chronicles just kind of adding, adding details um, and, and helping us to understand that what seemed, what, what could have been misunderstood back in 1 Kings, uh, actually not, not so bad at all. Um, I wonder, though, if, if, if there's another way to kind of harmonize that. Zach, think about this. You think it's possible that um, some of the people, uh, and maybe even Solomon, um, had made the mistake, a sinful choice, uh, of, of worshiping um, at a high place that pretty clearly would be sinful. Uh, that would be inconsistent with God's word, obviously, plainly. But um, as they did that, they, they, they were convicted of that and kind of uh, moved their worship over to the altar, the tabernacle, uh, that, that was there at Gibeon. I think, I think that's another possible way uh, to reconcile this. And Gary, I also wonder if, if God allowed that, that wouldn't be his plan that there be any false worship, but perhaps God allowed that, just a theory, um, so that Solomon's attention would be on the fact that, hey, we, we need a more permanent place. Uh, we, we, we need a, 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 perm, a more permanent place for sacrifice and, and worship um, that the people are, are worshiping at the wrong place. They're, uh, they're looking to, for convenience rather than obedience. Um, and what we have here in Gibeon is, isn't permanent. It's not even complete. The ark is in Jerusalem, uh, even though the tent, uh, the, the, the actual tent, uh, the true tabernacle, at least for that time, is in Gibeon. I wonder if God used this situation to begin turning Solomon's attention to the fact that, hey, we need, we need a temple. We, we need there to be a temple in, in Jerusalem. And uh, I wonder that's, if, if that's not the case. Certainly it could be. Brother, Art, if we understand that um, the people were uh, conducting false worship and Solomon didn't do anything about that, that'd be a compromise. Uh, if Solomon even got pulled into uh, worshiping in the wrong place for a time, that'd be a compromise. Uh, that'd be a compromise. Uh, perhaps, perhaps that was the case, uh, but that he realized that he was convicted of that and, and shifted over to Gibeon. And then, the, again, the Lord used that whole experience to cause him to say, 
we, we need, we, we need, we need, um, we need a temple. This might be the case. So it's, um, it's just one of those things that you have to kind of think through and, uh, and try to reconcile and just kind of consider and meditate on and, uh, and consider how God may ha- have been using all of this. So uh, pretty clearly we see compromise regarding a wife. Pretty clearly there's a hint of at least some compromise regarding uh, worship, both of which will be sin. Um, and then we see here um, grace, uh, God's grace here. We'll say it's grace regarding his walk, grace regarding uh, his walk. So Solomon seems to be uh, at Gibeon still, verse 5. I say he seems to be because that's what the Bible says. Verse 5 says this. Uh, in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon uh, in a dream by night. Uh, so it, it's, it's not just something that he dreams like any dream that, that we might have. Remember, in the Old Testament, one of the ways that God revealed his, uh, his direction, his, his guidance was through dreams. It's one of those sort of forms of special revelation that we see in the Old Testament. Doesn't seem to be for today, but certainly it was one of the things that God used um, uh, in the Old Testament. Um, a, a dream that God used um, at night, what would you call that if it happened during the day? A daydream. A, daydream. <laughs> uh, a V word, a vision. Uh, so, so visions were given by God at times also. Uh, a night vision would be a dream. Probably this would be the idea. Uh, in Gibeon, verse 5, the Lord appeared to Solomon in, in a dream by night, and God said, ask, you know this passage, ask what I shall give thee. So, um, I think the idea here is that Solomon has kind of righted himself on his worship at Gibeon, uh, and, and God is prepared to bless him uh, as his chosen king uh, for that. If it's not that, you just have a God who's, who's very gracious. Um, you have a God who's acting very graciously here no matter what, Mike. Uh, if there's been false worship uh, of any kind and, and God is offering uh, Solomon whatever he wants at this point, that, that's gracious. Uh, so you, no matter what, you have God acting very graciously here and saying to Solomon, hey, ask me, ask me for something and, and I will give it to you. Look at verse 6. Solomon said, thou hast showed uh, unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy. Uh, he acknowledges God's past blessings um, to his dad, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him uh, this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is uh, this day. So Solomon begins uh, his response to the Lord by just acknowledging a little bit of worship here, really, uh, acknowledging that God has been a, a God of great and gracious blessings uh, in the past uh, to the last king, who happens to be uh, his dad. Before we move on here, I just want to point out um, uh, kind of a technical thing, but, but something that is valuable. Uh, look at the middle of the verse. He says, and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart righteousness and uprightness of heart. Don't those kind of seem like the same thing? Righteousness and uprightness of heart. Uh, They're they're similar ideas, right? But I'll give you uh, just, if you want to make a couple of quick notes here, uh, the word that underlies righteousness is kind of, uh, you could think of it as sort of 
theoretical righteousness or the principle of righteousness, whereas the word uprightness, the word that underlines uprightness here, has more of the idea of practicing that principle. So you, you can kind of know in your brain what, what is upright, right? Uh, what, forgive me, what, what is righteous? You know what is right and what is wrong. Mike, to take that knowledge of, of righteousness and to put it into action, uh, to practice that principle, is to act righteously, is, is to act uprightly, to act uprightly. So you have righteousness, the idea, and uprightness, more of the practice or the principle uh, of that idea. So that's an interesting distinction here. Uh, it's worth understanding. So he's, he's answering the Lord. Uh, and uh, now in verse 7, uh, you see his humility before the Lord. Uh, verse 7, he says, And now, O Lord, my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father, uh, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out uh, or come in. That's very humble language. Solomon is answering back to the Lord with very humble language. Uh, what about this verse expresses his humility? What are some of the words, Zach, that he uses that would cause you to think, boy, Solomon's heart before the Lord is very humble here. Give me one. He's, he calls himself a little child uh, who doesn't, doesn't even know how to go out or come in, right? So he, that, that's, I think the idea would be apart from God's guidance is the idea there, right? So he, uh, he views himself as a little child before the Lord, Probably the idea is one who is just absolutely dependent upon the Lord. By the way, whether we recognize it or not, we are that dependent on the Lord. Amen? We are that dependent on the Lord, like little children who know not how to go out or come in. Whether we recognize it or not, we absolutely are that dependent on the Lord. Uh, and we do well, we do well to bear that in mind, to stay close to him, to seek him for all that we need, to thank him and praise him for his uh, provision. We have nothing that we have not received from him, nothing, nothing at all. Uh, Lord, help us to, to bear this in mind. Zach, you got another word there? Uh, another word in verse 7 that implies uh, a humble heart? Um, servant, yeah, absolutely. He views himself as uh, a servant. He's the king. Uh, he's the king of the land. And, and, but before the Lord, he calls himself a servant. Uh, that's pretty humble. Uh, and, and imagine how humble it, or how difficult it might have been for one who had this elevated position uh, in a human sense, in a governmental sense, to maintain this kind of humility before the Lord. Uh, and yet this is his choice. He's, he's choosing uh, to remain humble uh, before his Lord. Verse 8, see the same similar language, servant and thy servant is in the midst of thy people. They're not my people, God. They're your people, thy people, which thou hast chosen. You've, you've chosen me. You've chosen us. Uh, a great people that cannot be numbered uh, nor counted for multitude. Great humility here. Verse 9, Solomon says, Give therefore, still answering God. God said, Hey, what, 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 what can I do for you? What, what would you ask me for? Uh, verse 9, he says, Give therefore. Zach, what does he call himself again in verse 9? Thy, thy what? Servant. God, I'm your servant. God, I'm your servant. God, I'm your servant. God, I'm like a little child. I, I'm your servant. Wonderful humility, especially for one who is the king. Give therefore thy servant 
What does he ask for? An understanding heart to judge thy people. God, they're your people. Uh, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great uh, a people? So many people. Um, he's, he's asking God for what? Rich, what's he asking God for? Wisdom. wisdom. I mean, that's a kind of good word to summarize, right? Uh, he's, he's asking God for wisdom. This is his request. He, he, he could have asked the Lord for anything. He, he could have asked him for great wealth. He could have asked him, Gary, what, would he, what else might he ask him for? You know, he could have asked him for anything. You know, he could have, he could have treated God like a genie and just began making requests. Um, he did not do that. He humbled himself before the Lord, and he asked God for that thing that he uh, believed he needed to be a good leader of God's people. Not his people, but God's people. Uh, he asked for a hundred understanding heart, wisdom, wisdom to judge thy people. This is humble. This is godly. Well, you know, you know God's response. This is not unfamiliar to us. Uh, the Lord answers him. Uh, and, and basically, um, I think the idea here, Gary, is that God blessed him for his humility by promising him that he would give him not only wisdom, great wisdom, uh, but wealth, that which he might have asked for, but humbly chose not to ask for. Uh, God, God promises to bless him with both. And uh, this would seem to be a, a blessing for his humility before the Lord. Look at verse 10. And the speech pleased uh, the Lord. It's uh, not all caps L-O-R-D, so it's, it's Adonai or Master here. Uh, the speech pleased the Lord uh, that Solomon had asked this thing. God was pleased. He asked for a very wise thing. Uh, and God said unto him, verse 11, because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, that's one of the things he could have asked for, neither hast uh, asked riches, wealth, for thyself, nor has asked the life of thine enemies, he could have asked for that too, uh, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment, uh, wisdom. He could have asked for any of these things, uh, but, but no, you've asked, you've asked for wisdom from me to judge my people uh, wisely. Uh, God says, behold, verse 12, behold, I have done according to thy words. Uh, did God say that he would answer him or that he had answered him? He says, I have done. Uh, so just like that, God, God, God is pleased with his very humble request, very wise, humble request. God says, hey, that, that pleases me. And just like that, God says, done. It's done. I've done it. Uh, we have a great God who could accomplish uh, such a thing. Uh, behold, verse 12, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart. It's done in a moment. So that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee uh, shall any arise like unto thee. God said, uh, I'm going to bless you with such a wisdom. It's a wisdom that no man has ever had and, and no man will ever have again. You will be known uh, as the wisest man in history. Gary, only the Lord could accomplish that. Amen. O only God could accomplish that. And in a moment. Mike, when God chooses to, he can give what he chooses to give in a moment. Uh, 
Brother Art, we, we should pray big, amen? According to God's will, but not afraid to pray big if we believe that is God's will. God made him the wisest man that ever was or ever would be in a moment. That's, that's what it says. Do you find some wisdom there? Yes, you do. Moses, of course, is the author of Ecclesiastes, uh, filled with wisdom. How about Proverbs? Filled with wisdom, uh, Song of Solomon, uh, it's wonderful in so many different ways, but certainly filled with wisdom. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, make a couple of notes here. Um, other passages that record God giving uh, Moses great wisdom. Just make a couple notes. First uh, Kings 4, beginning in verse 29, God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much. Uh, that's First Kings 4, 29. First Kings 5, uh, and verse 12, the Lord gave Solomon wisdom as he promised. Uh, 1 Kings 10, uh, beginning in verse 23, 1023. So King Solomon exceeded all the kings of the earth for riches and for wisdom. Uh, and all the earth sought to Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. Gary, there must have been a temptation constantly to take credit for the wisdom himself. Look how wise I am. Uh, pride must have snuck into the heart at times, or at least there, there must have been a temptation uh, in that regard. Well, praise God, we, we see he's humbled himself before the Lord. The Lord said, he didn't just promise it, he said, it's done. Uh, and we have numerous places with, throughout Scripture that, that evidence that. We'll see, uh, we'll see evidence of that here in, in uh, this chapter as well. Uh, we've already said tonight, but God, God blessed him with not only wisdom, uh, but with wealth also. Verse 13, back in our passage, verse 13, the Lord says to him, And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, uh, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee uh, all thy days. Not, not only uniquely great wisdom, but also great wealth. Brother Ray, that, that's a blessing. Uh, that, that's a great blessing. Um, Solomon um, was also blessed by the Lord with long life. He could have asked for that. He didn't. He asked for wisdom. Uh, Lord gave him wisdom and wealth and, and long life as well. I couldn't come up with a W word for that, Rich. You think about that and get back to me. Uh, verse 14 records that. He says, and if thou wilt walk in my ways... Uh, to keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father David did, then I will lengthen thy days. Zach, what's different about this blessing? Uh, what's different about this one? God said, hey, uh, Solomon, I've, I've given you wisdom. It's done. God said, I've also given thee uh, riches. It's done. Uh, and then in verse 14, there's, there's a promise of, of long days, but what, what's different about it? It's future and it's conditional. This is, this is going to be conditional. He says, hey, if you'll walk in my ways, if you'll obey me, if you'll keep my statutes and my commandments as uh, my father David did walk, then, so th there's an if then, if you'll do that, if you'll obey, then I will bless you with this additional blessing, uh, length of days. And you can see God uh, blessing a number of places in scripture where the blessing of long life is conditioned upon obedience in a general sense or in a specific sense. 
Uh, Zach, can you think of another place in Scripture? It's okay if you can't, but can you think of another place in Scripture where there's a very specific area of obedience, obedience, where the Lord says, if you'll obey me in this area, I'll bless you with long days? Obeying your parents. I wonder why I asked you that one. Well, you're, you're, you're an adult and out of the house now, but that's, uh, that's still a good one. Amen? You teach that one to your kids one day, right? Amen. Um, there's other places we could look. We don't have time, really. But you make a note. In 2 Kings 20, um, you see that the Lord promised uh, Hezekiah uh, that he would add 15, uh, day, sorry, 15 years to his life uh, for his prayerful obedience uh, in dealing with the Assyrians. Uh, God promised to add uh, 15 years to Hezekiah's life. It be, that begins in 2 Kings 21 and come down to verse 6. In verse 6, you see the, the promise there. So uh, this is something we see throughout Scripture, the, the principle of, of potential blessing of long life uh, for obedience. Uh, so, Mike, imagine you're Solomon. <laughs> you've, you've humbled yourself before the Lord. Uh, God, God has been pleased by this. He, he's... He says, okay, give you wisdom, you got wealth also, uh, but wait, there's more, and if you'll just obey me, I'll, I'll bless you with a long life. Uh, how do you respond to that? Uh, how do you respond to that? Uh, let me ask you this question. Uh, how should we respond to all of the blessings that God pours into our lives? By the way, does, is he? Does he, is he? <laughs> Is he pouring blessings into your life tonight? Amen. He is, right? Sometimes we don't stop and choose to see it, but we should. Um, do you have one? you have a blessing? Yeah, you got a blessing? <laughs> Give me one. That's a blessing, the eyesight that God has restored. That's a blessing. Brother Art, do you have a blessing tonight? Amen. Amen. Zach, you got a blessing? That's nice. He said his wife. She is a blessing. Is he always a blessing, Samantha? <laughs> She'll think about that and get back to me, but he is. He is. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, Brother Ray, we have to stop and choose to see the blessings. What happens if you don't, by the way? If you're not mindful to stop and choose to see the blessings that God is pouring into your life, is there a potential spiritual consequence that you suffer? Sir? Miserable, bad attitude. Right, your miserable bad attitude, I mean, obviously not good for you, but can affect other believers, but can also seriously affect your ability to reach someone for the Lord. Why would I want when you have? Yeah, you're miserable. You're dragging around all the time. 
God can work through that. He could pierce through that when he chooses to, but there's a practical challenge there. Lord, help us to, to choose to see the blessings that you are pouring into our lives. Yes, there, there are trials, but trials are also blessings because God is working in them to grow us for our benefit and for his glory. Those are blessings too. God, help me to see all the blessings in my life that I not be down and discouraged and depressed. <sighs> help me to remember to choose to see. God, help me to see them. Uh, and when he does, what should you do? What should we do? What should I do? Rich, when, when I'm aware of the blessings that God is pouring into my life, what should I do? Thank him. Thank him. Praise him. Worship him. Right? I mean, a heart filled with gratitude is a heart that is, a, it's just, it's, it's good. It pleases God. It's good for us. Uh, that's catchy, right, Brother Ray? Um, a, a thankful heart filled with gratitude, uh, that's catchy. Uh, that's as catchy as a miserable, rotten, unthankful heart. Both are catchy. Both are contagious. Um, verse 15, Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Not that it wasn't real. It, it was real. It was a dream from the Lord, special revelation. Uh, he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark was in Jerusalem. David took, took it there uh, and offered up burnt offerings. He's worshiping uh, and offered peace offerings and, and made a feast uh, to all his servants, his response to all of the blessings that God poured into his life immediately and promised in exchange for his obedience, uh, it caused him to worship. He's thankful. And so he bows himself down and he worships the Lord. What does that imply? Gary, when I say he worshiped the Lord, what does that imply? What is that? <laughs> Try to give yourself to him. You, you, you're, you're yielding to him. You're, you're bowing before him. You're thanking him. You're praising him. You're exalting him. You're, you're worshiping him, uh, desiring that he would be seen as high and lifted up as you, as you humble yourself uh, before him. Brother Ray, that pleases him. And, you know, that encourages more blessings into our life. And you know, that's, that's kind of the cycle we want to be in, right? Uh, humble obedience to the Lord and God blessing that and uh, us worshiping him, thanking him for it, and that encouraging God to bless us and us uh, acknowledging that and, and thanking him for that, worshiping him, and that encouraging our obedience and God to bless. And that's, that's the kind of life that, that we want to be cultivating and asking the Lord to help us to cultivate. Uh, Solomon's blessed greatly and he worships. Um, he, he worships and it's, it's wonderful. Uh, the balance of the chapter here, I guess we'll, we'll read through it quickly. It's familiar to you. Uh, look, look here in verse 16. Then there came two women that were harlots unto the king and stood before him. You remember this is a case of the, the, the one stealing the, the child from the other. There was a disagreement about whose child it was. And Solomon had to uh, discern what to do about this situation. 
uh, and we see this verses 16 down through the end of the chapter. So uh, it's very interesting, Brother Ray. God said, Solomon, here you go, wisdom like no one ever had, no one ever will have. You, you've got it. Um, he worships the Lord, and then right in the heels of that, God gives him an opportunity uh, to put that wisdom into practice. Brother Art, what God gives us, what God gives us, he intends for it to be used. Amen? He intends for it to be used. Sometimes I think we, we lose sight of that. If God gives us wisdom, it's because he intends for that wisdom to be employed. Uh, if God gives us wealth, he intends for that wealth to be employed uh, for him. Uh, if God gives us long life, he intends for us to invest those days for him. Uh, however God blesses us, uh, he, he intends that, that we would just give that back to him and employ that in our service to him. Well, Lord gives Solomon an opportunity uh, to do that, to invest what God has in, invested in his life. You know, he, he could have said, you know what, this, this thing with these, these are two harlots. I'm not going to lower myself to them and deal with that situation. But he did not do that. Uh, he knew, evidently, I think it's at least implied, God blessed him with wisdom. Uh, and here's an opportunity to employ that wisdom. And so he does. Verse 17, one woman said, oh, my Lord, she's speaking to Solomon. I and this woman dwell in one house, and I was delivered a child with her in the house. I had a baby. Verse 18, it came to pass the third day after I was delivered uh, that this woman was delivered also. We were together. There was no stranger. They both had a baby. There was no stranger with us in the house, save uh, we two in the house. We were alone. Verse 19, this woman's child died. So the other woman, her child died uh, because she overlaid it. That's, I can't even imagine. Verse 20. She rose at midnight, took my son from beside me while thine handmaid, me, slept and laid it in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. So she's trying to convince this other woman that her baby died. You understand. Verse 21, when I rose in the morning to give my child suck to nurse my child, behold, it was dead. But when I had considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son, which I did bear. A mom knows her own son. Verse 22, the other woman said, nay, no, but the, the living is my son and the dead is thy son. Uh, and this said, no, but the dead is thy son, living is my son. Thus they spake before the king. They were arguing before the king. Verse 23, then said the king, the one saith, this is my son that liveth, and thy son is the dead. And the other saith, nay, no, but thy son is the dead, and my son is the living. The king answered, verse 24, bring me a sword. Brother Ray, what do you do with swords? Don't you cut or stab, right? That's what you, you cut, slice, stab. Bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. You remember this account. The king said, divide the living child in two, give half to one and half to the other. Did he, did he really intend for that to happen? I don't think so. But there is great wisdom being exercised here. For in his wisdom, he understands that the mother, uh, the, the true, the actual mother, the actual mother of the living child uh, would rather see that child go to another mother than to be killed. That's love. That's, that's the love of, of the actual mother. Solomon understands this in, in his wisdom, and so 
um, he says, bring me the sword and cut the child in half. Verse 26, then spake the woman whose the living child was uh, unto the king for her bowels yearned upon her son and said, oh my Lord, Solomon, give her the living child and in no wise slay it. But the other said, let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. Well, the actual mother would never say, okay, go ahead and cut the child in half. The, the, the actual mother would never say that. Uh, the one true mother here, the, the actual mom, uh, she would desire, Brother Ray, that the child live, even if it meant the child going someone else. Verse 27, the king answered and said, give her the living child and in no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. This is great wisdom. This is the wisdom that God gave him. I don't know how much before this, Rich, probably not much before this at all. Uh, Solomon immediately chooses to employ the wisdom that God has given him, uh, not, not hoarding it to himself for his own private purposes. Um, and there's a result. Verse 28, all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king. It's respect. Uh, for they saw in that the wisdom of God was in him uh, to do judgment. Zach Solomon's reputation grew as he applied the wisdom that God had given him. But the people saw that there was such great wisdom here that it had to be from God. And so who ultimately receives the glory here? It's, it's the Lord, right? Uh, and listen, that, that obviously should be our desire. When God blesses us with an ability, uh, with a talent, uh, with, with whatever it is, and, and then we choose to employ it in serving him, there might be a temptation to be prideful about that. Oh, look, you know, I, I gave X number of dollars, or I served God this way, or I did this and accomplished this, or look at all the different ways I, I'm serving God with all of my abilities and talents, and I'm something. That's not God's desire. God's desire, Rich, is that people would see God at work in our lives, right? They'd see him at work in our lives. He being the source of us, right? The source of our abilities and talents and whatever he has invested in us. Uh, yep, we have to be the ones that would choose to employ it to serve him and to serve others. But ultimately, our heart should be to humbly see that God get the credit for that. Brother Ray, that's a challenge sometimes, right? Because pride enters the equation and we want the credit. We want to be seen as something special. Well, if we're something special, it's because God made us that way. Amen. The Lord made us that way. Our desire should always be to turn the credit right back to him. Uh, Solomon was blessed, and he put the blessings to work right away, and the Lord, the Lord received um, glory, glory for that. Lord, give us the same heart. Give us the same heart. Uh, to employ what, however you bless us uh, in service to you and others. Uh, whether it's wisdom or any other blessing, 
whatever it happens to be. Let's stop there, please. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, tonight for your many blessings. Lord, I pray tonight as we just take a moment and, and pray that um, you give us hearts to thank you even, even now in this moment uh, for your blessings. Lord, I understand tonight that um, so often it seems like others have so much more than, than we do, but at the same time, Father, we, we do well tonight to take a moment and thank you for all the blessings that you pour into our lives. Some are physical or financial. Some are spiritual, emotional. Lord, there's so many ways you bless us. I pray, Lord, tonight we just take a moment and, and worship you and thank you. Uh, thank you for your many blessings. Lord, I pray tonight also that we take a moment and ask you to help us employ those same blessings in serving you however you would desire, however you would desire. I'll give you a moment to pray. Lord, we love you tonight. I can't thank you enough for the way you've blessed me and our church. I'm grateful. Lord, I pray tonight that you would just give us a heart to yield to you and thank you for your blessings and ask your guidance. Lord, how can I best use these blessings in my service to you. God, give us grace to do just that. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Zach, you go. Please stand with me as we turn to number 633. Standing as we turn to 633, we'll sing Jesus Loves Even Me. I am so glad that our Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has given. Wonderful things in the Bible I see. This is the dearest that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Though I forget him and wander away, still he doth love me wherever I stray. Back to his dear loving arms would I flee. When I remember that Jesus loves me, I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. 
even me and the last. Oh, if there's only one song I can sing, when in his beauty I see the great king, this shall my song in eternity be. Oh, what a wonder that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Amen. You may be seated.